0: I think that we will look back and see the reason for why we had a bull market in 2024 and 2025. What's that reason? Layer 2s? Base. Coinbase. Specifically, putting all of its marketing and weight behind a base layer 2. Because they are, like I said, printing money on it, but they are going to take Ethereum layer 2s, specifically base, because they now have the incentive, they are going to take it mainstream.
1: Bankless Nation, it is the second Friday of August. David, what time is it? Uh Ryan, it's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up where we cover the entire weekly news in
0: crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor yet we persevere nonetheless into the frontier. How are you doing this week, my man?
1: Uh I'm doing great, man. I've got my uh I've got my coffee. Yeah. We've got our stable coins going. Um some big news this week. PayPal launched a stable coin on Ethereum. I think that's a big freaking that's deal. And we got to talk about deal. that. Yeah. Yeah. What else are we talking about? Base gets dropped with already $105 million
0: in total value locked. Kicking off on-chain summer, Coinbase just putting all of their weight behind the base launch. And so we're going to talk about all those details and more. And then something out of Arbitrum.
1: Tell us about Arbitrum. Yeah, they got a little bit more decentralized. At least they're preparing to. So we got to cover that with their bold new proposal. David, do you like that one? Bold? (laughs) You did it in the
0: show. You can't keep on doing it.
1: I can keep doing it. This is a different show. I get one per show. Also, Polygon. You had three last time. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Let's move on. Polygon and ZK Sync, they are throwing some punches back and forth, at least on Twitter. We got to talk about that uh there's been some wallet ux breakthroughs i feel like recently this is making me pretty bullish so we'll talk about that the sec isn't done yet they are striking back and lastly david is joe biden a bitcoiner what words i never thought i'd see (laughs) we'll talk about that too uh before we get in we've got a message from our friends and sponsors over at stater what's stater david Stater is a LSD protocol that helps you stake your ether and also
0: run in staking node if you so choose. So Stater, one of the cool things about Stater is that the bond, the ether that you need to deposit into the stater staking protocol can be as low as four ether, which is the lowest capital requirement, uh, I think, that is in the industry. And you get to charge other people a fee for staking their ether when they stake on your node uh and so if you want to both stake your ether and then get a little bit more juicy ether yield you can do it with stator there is a link in the show notes to get
1: started uh it is stake season it i, steak I season. feel that very strongly it is it season. is eth season for sure oh yeah well let's talk about the other seasons too when we get to the market i gotta ask you uh what's cracking my friend open up the cracking <gasps> oh charts God. yeah it's become a thing i'm doing it uh let's see what's cracking with bitcoin usd on the price charts (laughs) well nothing is cracking ryan because we're only up half a percent nine twenty nine
0: thousand three hundred ending at twenty nine thousand four hundred a hundred dollars in bitcoin it's not much um sucks are you bored you you know the thing is like i would be bored except for how incredibly good the news cycle is like the innovations like it is there is a huge decoupling disconnect between what is going on with announcements and innovation in the foundations the fundamentals if you will and the yeah. actual prices and so people are getting frustrated about like PayPal they just dropped a stablecoin on pay, on on ethereum and It didn't even move the price. Why well, let's don't look be at it. Fr- <laughs> don't be
1: frustrated by that. That is alpha <laughs> Let's look at it. No price movement here. This is the no eth, price, uh, price on the week. What are we at? are we flat?
0: eighteen hundred forty three dollars to eighteen hundred fifty dollars we went up seven dollars it's
1: flatter than a pancake yeah, i used that, that is, like yeah a sheet of paper mm-hmm. that's how flat we are on the on the week End don't even week ask me about the ratio, ratio. it's flat <laughs> <laughs> uh next you're going to tell me the gro- global cryptocurrency it's the market was is last also week. flat
0: <laughs> is 1.2 trillion dollars we'll you it know it's not flat though okay. two things yes layer two tvl and layer two scaling factor is Uh, up. So we get to cover these in our market section every week from now on? We have added this to the template. Layer like total value locked on layer twos coming in at Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. $10.57 billion, breaking through that 10 billion amount. So because we are
1: adding something to the template, David, I feel like we have to explain these metrics first time. Bankless Nation, you only get this one time explanation and then every single time- You're expected to know it. (laughs) You're expected to know it, okay? So what is total value locked in layer two why are we looking at this chart on a weekly basis forever and more
0: yeah tvl kind of the same thing as aum assets under management it's just like how how, what is the total market cap of assets that are deposited onto layer twos and -hmm. if you aggregate all of that together on all layer twos on ethereum you come up to 10.57 billion Uh, dollars uh well actually technically it is flat it's up half a percent over the last seven days but it's been incrementally growing for all this entire bear market Um, the other thing that we're going to look at is scaling factor Uh, so if you hit the activity tab on the right Mm, you can see a scaling factor of 4.8 x 4.83 x that is uh, how many more ethereums all aggregate layer 2 economic activity is adding so on layer twos, there are 4.8 ethereums worth of economic activity happening that are settling mm. to the ethereum layer one, which, you know, is one ethereum. Pop quiz, Ryan, um, how, many, how many times larger is the ethereum layer one in 2023 versus 2015? How many more ethereums is 2023 ethereum versus 2015 ethereum?
1: Are you just talking about kind of like Ignore the L2's Ignoring the layer just, just, so uh, the, the, 2s. Just the
0: scalability of the layer 1. Because the reason why I'm asking this is I don't actually think people appreciate that the Ethereum layer 1 also scales. Mm. And so that is a shifting number. So when we say there's a scaling factor of 4.8x uh, layer 2s to the layer 1, well, the layer 1 is also growing as mm. well.
1: I bet the layer one on its own, and, and these are through a primary, primarily um, client optimization. So, you know, the team over at Geth, uh, for yes. example, doing uh-huh. a lot of work to kind of right. optimize um, how fast Geth can run. Right. And, um, you know, there, there's some juice to squeeze there yes. versus 2015. That's correct. I'm going to say um, 3 to 4x from 2015. Pretty good. The answer is 6x.
0: So six. Ethereum okay. that's better than I thought. Ethereum throughput from 2015 to 2023 is six times larger than it once was. And like you said, this is layer one client um, improvements, uh, networking improvements, um, just bandwidth, just hardware. Uh, as hardware gets better, the Ethereum layer one is actually allowed to increase in scale conservatively because that's our philosophy. But uh, over time, the block size, the data throughput of Ethereum has gone about six x from 2015 to 2023. And f- layer twos are four point five X times on top of that. And they are not even at max capacity now.
1: So we are at like between twenty four and thirty X if you multiply that all together. Yeah, if you
0: compare to twenty fifteen, but like twenty fifteen was like primitive, primitive era. Stone <laughs> Age Stone Age in crypto.
1: Yeah, we didn't have much to do on chain. Yeah. Like Pe- remember remember Peepith? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember peepeth. All right, but those are the um, stats we're going to go over on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. So scaling factor four point eight three x. Remember that number and assets in uh, locked inside of Layer Two is ten point five billion dollars. Well, let's uh, peepeth outside of the crypto <laughs> markets here, David, no one and go knows into what the, uh, is. the traditional markets. Inflation rose three point two percent in July, that's the year over year. And of course, I'm talking about inflation of the dollar. I'm not talking about uh, inflation of ETH because that's deflationary, of course. Uh, This is a small uptick from 3% in in June. So it's 3% in June, uh, 3.2%. This commentator is saying, this is good news that inflation rose a modest 0.2% for the month of July alone. That's an encouraging sign that inflation is moderating. So inflation moderating is one of the takes here. Uh, This is the stat kind of over time and this is uh, annualized so you can kind of see this. Let me look at a different view. See this? This is all the way back from five years ago uh, where we used to be under 2%, around 2%. That's where the Fed likes it. And then, of course, COVID cranked us all the way up over to 9%. Or so and now we are back down, but there's a little look at this a little bump. Hey, Looks like we're going hey, up. Hey, things a go up, things,
0: things go down. If you okay. if you teleported me back to the peak of that inflation back when we were at nine yeah. percent, and then you showed me what the future curve would look like, I'd be like, Wow. This is good. That's best case scenario.
1: Soft landing? Is that's, what you that's, is that what you see here?
0: That sounds like successful manipulation of
1: our economy. <laughs> manipulation of our economy. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. Of course. This is not Exactly what the Fed wants, but it's pretty close. So we'll see what the uh, August numbers look like. I also think, David, this number is going to get increasingly political. Why? Because the U.S. gets increasingly political during election season, right? Every four years. So we're we're, uh, creeping up to twenty twenty four in a presidential election. So some people are going to say this is a this number is too high. Others are going to say it's 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 too low. Um, What the Fed says is a good question. I, I think there's also this debate of um you know does money printing actually cause uh inflation because what we're seeing right now is i don't know if you saw the headlines this week you know the u.s is at a 1.8 trillion dollar budget deficit as fiscal government spending this year right so that's a lot of spend going into the economy all the while the fed is uh is tightening and some of that spend goes to like interest payments that kind of thing um so you know to be to be determined on what Uh, inflation, where that goes next. One one thing I will say is it it does seem like asset inflation is continuing to rise uh, as always. So there you go. Um, Another thing I wanted to mention this part of the market, David, this is your quarterly reminder that Home Depot, you know, the stock price of Home Depot is actually higher than the total market cap of Ethereum right now. I saw this. uh, Apparently, I said this back in May because it blew my mind when I was looking at the largest Assets by market cap, and Ethereum was trailing um Home Depot. I think Home it's Depot is trailing has a Number few 29. others that make it yeah. even worse. <laughs> I hate Home dude. Depot. Nestle, as well. It's below Nestle. It's well, below hey, Merck. They have a monopoly on Coke.
0: water. So that's that's uh, Adobe.
1: Yeah. Bank of America. Yeah. All of these things are worth more than Ether. Platinum right now than Ethereum.
0: Platinum is higher than Ether. I know. Palladium is higher yeah. than Ether. Yeah, Home Depot. Uh, at least you need to like you know build houses. People need houses. People don't oh, yeah. need palladium. I, maybe they do. Yeah. I don't know what palladium. <laughs> well, I don't
1: know. Palladium. I'm sure has tons of use cases, David. But uh, there's Ethereum <laughs> number fifty in terms of the world's largest asset. So we got our weights to go. You know, how are you feeling though in this market? You were talking about it a little bit when we were getting into sort of the you know the market section in the intro and. Um, I think for me, I'll answer for me before uh, you know. I ask you, maybe. Yeah. If you hand it off to I th- me, it's gonna be dangerous. I think for me, we might be entering my favorite part of the market oh, yeah? cycle. Say more. Yeah, yeah. It's so um, things aren't annoying yet, and a lot <laughs> of the a lot of the stupidity has been burnt off. Right. Kind of the the frauders and the scammers were sort of uh, found out, and the market isn't completely irrational. It's still kind of a. A Builders market and it's mm-hmm. quiet. So we're not getting all the hype and kind of the you know, the shilliness This is sort of the quiet moment where you look at everything that's going on And you were talking about it earlier in terms of the fundamentals and the news and the building that's going on and you realize that doesn't match with The price because the price is still under 2000 and you're just like, oh This is a right. very obvious trade. Yeah. This is a very obvious purchase I feel very comfortable right now. The last time I felt this way was um 2020. Yeah, yeah, before COVID, yeah, yeah. by the way. Oh, <laughs> I'll say before COVID. COVID. Right.
0: And, and then and then, off, then, after COVID, yeah.
1: Then after COVID, when we realized the world wasn't ending, you yeah. know, kind of toward the end of 2020, and that has been consistently my favorite part of the of the market cycle, mm-hmm. just before things get stupid. Mm-hmm. And you're in this kind of like, "Oh, we're building. We're doing the right thing." The you know, like we've we've we got hit by U.S. regulators, mm-hmm. right? That's not going to get any worse at this point. Right. We're, like, we, we bottomed on uh, fading the yeah, U.S. Coming and the out U.S. Of the regulation. On coming out of the hole. We're coming out of the hole on all kind of the, the scams and the frauds and the centralized exchanges and all that crap from 2022. And uh, now it feels like this, this recovery phase, but it hasn't been a quick recovery. Mm-hmm. So it's not yet stupid, and I love that part of the market. So I, I think we'll get some months here, and I'm actually excited about that.
0: I think what you're saying is we're in this like Goldilocks zone in the, Mm. in the crypto era where like, if you were a tourist, if you weren't going to make it through the bear market, you're gone. You've you're, you're gone by now. Anyone who's still left is here for the right reasons and here for the long haul. And we get to see all like all the announcements and progression. And like I said, fundamental growth of this industry that the rest of the world is not accounting for. And so all of a sudden, like, In the bull market, alpha is hard because everyone is chomping at it, but in the bear market, alpha is easy because there's just not that many people left. This reminds me of a a take that I had this week that I I tweeted out, so we'll we'll pull it up here. Uh, I tweeted out, once upon a time, there was this six-month period between the 2018 to 2020 bear market and then the 2021 bull market where ETH... Broke three hundred dollars and hit four hundred and fifty for the first time in three years, and multiple times a week you would see people on crypto Twitter tweet out something like, "Personal news: I'm leaving my job and I'm starting a thing." (laughs) The entire set of crypto Twitter, we just all knew that it was on it being the bull market and that we had made it, and it was just the best time. Uh, It was great Uh, because you would see all of your friends who were like, you know, had to commit to their nine to five job to in order to make it through the bear market then all of a sudden have the foundation to go out and build their own venture. I tweeted out one of these tweets right before <laughs> going for my last job to bankless. Um, and it was this great Goldilocks moment where like ether price was appreciating, but there were, uh, it was all us. Everyone was just, it was all us buying rather than like necessarily like new money. Cause everyone mm. was positioned for it. And so all of the gains were us. And then, <laughs> and then you realize cause like, Oh yes, that's because people are about to come in. And then I follow this this tweet with like, <laughs>
1: little did I know the incoming bull market was going to scar me for life. Yeah, totally. I mean, so are you ready for another round of this? <laughs> Like, I could use a I, few more months, but that's what I we th- get. We're at the we're beginning get, of that phase. Yeah, we're going to get some time in the Goldilocks period. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad that resonates with you, too. It's just, yeah. it just sort of hit me this week. Um, yeah. This is how Merp puts it, though. If you aren't happy single, you won't be happy in a relationship. True happiness comes from Ethereum breaking 2K, not from anyone else. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey 2k is pretty achievable. We have uh, happiness on
1: the menu. Yeah, I'm okay under 2k though to be honest, like just yeah. keeping the goldilocks period of time. You know what else is going up though? Yeah. Die savings rate is now live paying out 8% at no additional risk. Hey, that's above T-bills. What's yeah. uh the die savings rate, David? The die
0: savings rate is the yield that die out of MakerDAO naturally produces. It's one of the core primitives that is part of the MakerDAO building blocks. It's, we kind of call Ether staking the stake, the f- risk-free rate of Ethereum. The DAI savings rate is just the risk-free rate of holding DAI. So if you're holding DAI, you can get 8% at no additional risk compared to actually holding DAI. You're not lending it out. It's just part of the protocol. Um, kind of like in the same way that h- holding a United States treasury is you know, not really any different from holding dollars. And if you're holding dollars, you might as well turn it
1: into a treasury. Yeah, you just park it in T-bills. And it can yep. it can stay um, in the in the DSR. Can it be fungible as well? yeah money yeah so uh chai yeah, right.
0: chai money uh oh yeah uh, so i don't know fungible. why they call it chai but chai is it's like how there's our eth or staked eth for ethereum chai is yeah. uh the die savings rate version of die right. um, why why and where is that eight percent coming from it's part of the MakerDAO protocol gosh back in my MakerDAO days i would be able to very fluently explain this but that was like four years ago um uh it, there's just a demand for die and it's creating yield Uh, Yeah, Yeah, and Uh, not everyone
1: is is in the die savings rate as well, so that's why the yield is is higher than normal. That's what Rune reminds us. The rate is so high because there are currently not that many people using the die savings rate. Only 8% of die holders use DSR currently. So the more holders, uh, the more that goes down. Of course, Mm -hmm. a reminder that uh, you can access this at Spark Protocol, but not if you're American or use a VPN because we live in a financial prison. Yeah, Uh, VPN uh,
0: users, hands off. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) don't touch it vpn the specific mention of not available
0: for vpn users <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's a wink i'm pretty sure that's a wink right
1: there. i don't know we can't <laughs> interpret that right but of course the smart contract is uncensorable it's just yeah. people have to um screen out on the ui side or else yeah. uh, the big bad american government gets mad with all of your financial access david another interesting stat i dug up this week um did you know that Worldcoin is spending money on Ethereum block space well certainly. not just how much a little bit a lot 500k oh. in the last 40 days oh. so if you were to annualize that which we can't exactly do but if it's you zero, were to yeah. annualize that that would be 4.5 million dollars in gas fees and so my take on that is this of course the, the bull take comes out companies will need to hoard ETH the same way they hoard other essential commodities Ethereum block space is the new oil uh, what's really cool to me is something that we've predicted for a long time about Ethereum is companies actually purchasing Ether uh, as a um, you know a right as access for block space right. in the future in the right. same way that maybe an airline might procure uh, barrels of oil or like futures mm-hmm. on oil or something to hedge against future gas price costs. It's very cool to see third parties actually spending on block space and that being a driver of demand rather than just users. And if you're curious about what they're actually spending on, DC Builder, of course, he is a, a dev over at WorldCoin. He gives some context here. For context, this is the world ID identity manager contract. The biggest costs here are insertions and not ZK proof verifications, which are mostly happening on optimism. So this is the part, the insertions uh, part is happening on Ethereum main chain. Most of the other activity for WorldCoin is happening on Optimism. Anyway, it's interesting to start quantifying that and, uh, you know, companies actually purchasing block space in this way. Speaking of companies, Coinbase just released its Q2 earnings.
0: Uh, this is from Ram Alawalia, former Bankless podcast guest, who says, This is the first quarter where reoccurring revenue... For example, U.S.E.C. income, staking and subscriptions exceeded transaction revenue, as in like um, trading revenue, 51% to 49%. So Coin has cut its reoccurring expenses by a whopping 50% as well as all the layoffs and all that stuff. And they also still rolled out new products like Coinbase Wallet and also Base. Uh, And so inside of the product innovation section, they say, we are expanding our focus towards crypto use cases beyond trading. Of course they are. That's been their, their ever since going public, that has been basically their number one focus as a company is to get away from being dominated by trading fee revenue. And so they've opened up new lines of revenue and it's been working. Uh, And so, uh, so as an example, of course, Base is an investment in blockchain infrastructure where we expect to drive down transaction costs and increase transaction speed. Of course, the point of a layer two, but also a way for Base to make Coinbase money. Uh, also stated in the regulation section, we're beginning to see a pathway for bipartisan legislation that could enshrine consumer protections in an equitable market structure framework, aka soon the regulatory trials will be over. So it's still pretty early. We are 24 hours into BASE, but BASE yesterday generated $213,000 in fees. Wow. That is $78 million in annual run rate. 15% of that goes to the Optimism Collective. Coinbase pockets huh. the rest huh yeah so like brand new business model poof out of nowhere you know, like 70 million dollars in annual run rate for coinbase because of base and that is again before the layer two bull market kicks in
1: i kind of like that um coinbase is a publicly traded company because then they get to explain how layer twos work to <laughs> wall street and it's all they got to fine.
0: explain is 70 million dollars yeah. And they're like, that's all they have like,
1: to say. Wall Street analysts are like, wait, you could see that on chain. I don't have to wait for the annual report. Like, right. oh, wow. Okay. That's really cool. I think it'll totally educate them on um, how to start evaluating crypto protocols and crypto networks. So remember that, that old um, website, current, current website, still running.
0: i Mario put it together, diestats.com. Yeah. It's just like a live audit of MakerDAO. It's like every, every Ethereum block, it gets updated. Somebody should make that for base. Coinbase should make that for base. (laughs) Base economics. And they can just have this in their investment reports, but they can just link out to it like, hey, are you curious about how much money we are printing in this very current moment on base? (laughs) You should just go to basestats.org to look at that. And one of the themes I think is happening is that like Fortune 500 companies are being shown the way to mint their own layer two using the OP stack. And that Mm -hmm. website would go very, very far in helping that narrative. Yeah, I, I think so. We can we can pill
1: Wall Street if that's what we want to do. I don't know. I'm still comfortable in the Goldilocks zone of yeah, just we, we like can, waiting. With that, waiting. that website can be under development for a while. <laughs> <laughs> It'll take them a while to catch on. Bankless station
0: coming up next. PayPal is dropping a stable coin. Coinbase is dropping the base. There's a layer two summer party and you're all invited. And Bankless is also dropping something big to help you navigate all of it. Coming up next is all of those details. But first, I'm going to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Kraken, our preferred exchange in crypto for 2023 to help you drop some US dollars into some crypto assets. Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum 1 with flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. And now Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own Layer 3, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. Whether you're a developer, enterprise, or a user, Arbitrum Orbit... Let's you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible, faster transaction speeds, and significantly lower gas fees. So visit arbitrum.io, where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app with Arbitrum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always
1: meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. PayPal is launching a stablecoin on Ethereum. Guys, this is a really big deal. It's called PYUSD. It's a fully backed US dollar stablecoin. It's backed by short-term US treasuries and similar cash equivalents. For all intents and purposes, David, this looks to me a lot like USDC. Here's the contract address. This is very cool to see this on Ethereum Live. This is Pay, this is PayPal US dollars right here and you can see some of the activity on etherscan right now david do you think this is as big a deal as i think it is yeah uh i mean i can't imagine why it wouldn't be it's just like well it's just another
0: usdc clone but it it just just indicates that hey perhaps the market doesn't think that the the stable coin market is saturated, like we can enter the game with further stable coins. Uh, PayPal USD, $27 million market cap at the current time of recording. 12 holders, (laughs) 12 (laughs) total holders. I don't think it's actually like live in the app yet, but hey, we have a contract address and we're watching 182 transfers going around in this very moment. Uh, I mean, PayPal has weight. PayPal has size in terms of users and demand. And like,
1: we don't know the TVL of PayPal, but there is a number of PayPal somewhere. Uh, well, there is. I mean, when we had Jose on, and the you know the public stats are 450 million active user accounts on PayPal. And and neat. think about the significance of this too. PayPal really pioneered. Uh, payments on the internet in the web you know 1.0 days before Mm -hmm. web 2.0 right and so now here they are in crypto innovating on this front and and doing this first um this is issued by paxos it's kind of the you know the bank machine behind it paxos Um, who
0: are they had to give up busc binance stablecoin, and i'll pull in a harry potter quote for all the harry potter fans trading a nut for a galleon giving up (laughs) binance and all of its regulatory gray areas and gaining paypal as a uh, as
1: a client as a customer that's 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 a, definitely a win that's what, what you call a dub. So just uh, like USDC, you're going to be able to transfer PayPal US dollars between PayPal and external wallets. So that would be bankless wallets, of course. You could send it person to person, so peer to peer. You could fund purchases with PayPal US dollars by ch- by selecting it at checkout, mm-hmm. right? All right. So like your different you know checkout using PayPal, you can use this as an option, and you can convert. Any of PayPal supported cryptocurrencies, of which there are there are many now, mm-hmm. to and from PayPal U.S. dollars. Uh, this definitely feels like a a big win to me. There's some comments on it, of course, in the crypto community. This is one from Saigar who says, "So the PayPal stablecoin contract number one is written in an extremely old version of Solidity. Number two allows the owner to pause." all transfers. Number three, allows the owner to freeze addresses to prevent actions. Number four, allows admins to increase the total supply at will, centralized, but transparent at least. You can see all of those controls in the code. What do you think here, David? Do you think that these um, these these centralization vectors are an issue for um, PayPal US dollars?
0: All the properties that he just listed uh, allows owners to pause transfers, allow owners to freeze addresses, allow admins to increase total supply at will. These are like table stakes for centralized stablecoin service providers. You have to have all of those functions. You need to increase the supply because if you get more dollars in the bank, you need to issue more stablecoins. Of course, you have to increase the supply. And then in order to be compliant at all, you have to also be able to pause and freeze addresses. Like imagine if somebody starts, you know, sending this money to North Korea, like PayPal's gonna need to do something. So I don't I don't think that there's the, any pearl clutching about this. This is
1: totally expected. USDC has all of these things this is why we call it a centralized stablecoin yeah. it's not a decentralized right. stablecoin it's not a crypto native asset in any way and, and some people are saying well as a result of that why are you crypto people celebrating david ryan why are you so excited about this why are you even excited about this what's your response to that
0: uh how many uh, million accounts did you say uh it was in paypal 450. they are, now they have a much more direct bridge to Ethereum and going bankless. That pipe is easier and more direct because of this. So they can go from PayPal to Ethereum to a decentralized stablecoin in like five fewer steps now. And mm. and while we would like to all have the world go bankless, that is a spectrum and people will choose to go as far down the bankless journey as they would elect. And some people will elect to stay
1: in centralized stablecoins. Uh and that is just fine in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with us. This is a step, right? This is slightly more, just slightly more bankless than the existing status quo of dollars inside of the PayPal platform. And why is it good? As just what you said, increases adoption. So we get more private keys in the hands of more individuals. There's now an off-ramp. We can load this into your MetaMask wallet. Also, this is a big normalization event, I think, for crypto. Used to be like the, you know, the crypto exchanges, the Coinbase's of the world, the Krakens of the world who were into kind of the stable coin business. And now this is PayPal. It doesn't get any more FinTech mainstream than this. Uh, The the last point I would make is this is another example of a third party, a publicly traded company actually paying gas fees on Ethereum. Every time you pay gas fees on Ethereum, you make Ethereum more secure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that cannot be understated, I think. Um, Economic bandwidth, the value and the price of Ether corresponds to security on top of Ethereum. We don't get any of those attributes and Mm -hmm. any of those wins with just a bank coin inside of the PayPal app, which is what we had today. So this is not like a panacea. This is not pure decentralization we're we're celebrating. We're celebrating one step forward, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why it's
0: exciting. So stablecoin transfers, Ryan, are the number two most gas intensive activity on Ethereum, as in it it burns Mm -hmm. the most gas after swapping. And mm. we just saw like the, stable, the stablecoin contract for PayPal. Uh, they're going to start burning plenty of Ether too. Yeah. and But also, that's going to be a cost to the business. You know how PayPal can turn that cost into revenue? I got an idea, but wh- why don't you tell me yours? Why don't they just do the thing that Coinbase is showing the world that's possible and make their own Layer 2 and all Ooh. PayPal stablecoin transfers they can collect their own sequencer fees for? hmm
1: huh Hmm. Huh. that that that's a good idea a a
0: paypal payments network in addition to the paypal stablecoin the one of the strategies that's uh, hypothesized about the partnership between circle and coinbase and the base layer two is to make circle usd transfers on base free and turn base into a payments network for circle so and also they're going to generate revenue for from that because of the layer two why doesn't PayPal just make its own layer two for its own payments
1: network? That's really smart. And that feels like the next that logical is smart. step. I mean, yes. <laughs> you should get a job at PayPal, I should, they should, be, I should be a consultant for PayPal. <laughs> PayPal execs, if you're hearing this, David yeah. David is uh, you know, excited about this opportunity, bringing you guys a layer two. I, I also think there's another like point to all of this is with the addition of PayPal US dollars, we didn't lose any of the decentralized options. We didn't lose... Right. Ether as an option, or DAI as a stablecoin. Like, those are all still options, and you can still use those if you want to use something a bit more decentralized. So this is only adding to the option list. That's why I'm personally excited. This is Anthony Sassano summing up his take. Yes, PayPal's stablecoin is centralized. No, that doesn't make it any less cool that PayPal has a stablecoin. Ethereum being a settlement layer for all types of value means that different types of assets will exist on the network, and you get to choose which ones you want. Another sub point, that I think is interesting here. I don't think that PayPal would do this without regulatory confidence. Oh, I said regulatory cover, but but I mean regulatory confidence here. The US government, I think, wants stable coins to work. At least some portion of the US government does. Subconsciously. And I think more it does. People, <laughs> yeah, subconsciously it does. And, and so I think that, you know, this, this happens at an interesting time where I'd say 2023 was one of the most bearish years for, for U.S. crypto from a regulatory um, front. But I still think that people are massively underestimating the chances that the U.S. government might flip bullish, particularly on this stablecoin issue. They, they might look at it and say, hey, we need a payment rails to export the supremacy of the U.S. dollar. And uh, this is one more step towards that, the stablecoin step with, with PayPal. Um, of course, not everyone on Capitol Hill feels this way. This is Maxine Waters, who says she is deeply concerned that PayPal chose this path versus the federal path. And Matt Walsh makes the comment the federal path for issuing a stablecoin literally doesn't exist. What planet are we on? <laughs> so some politicians are still complaining about this, even though they haven't provided a path. To actually register a stable coin with them. Maxine Waters being
0: deeply concerned that PayPal is creating a stable coin while also being the person who blew a kiss to SBF
1: is just like, <laughs> I forgot what about lizard that.
0: people are controlling <laughs> this planet,
1: dude. Oh no, I forgot about that. Yeah, of course she's deeply <sighs> yeah, concerned. that does look awkward. This is Mike Selig, crypto lawyer. Banking regulators have essentially said banks can only issue stable coins on private blockchains. PayPal will issue its stable coin on Ethereum. This regulatory arbitrage has put a lot of pressure on Congress to pass a stablecoin bill ASAP. The
0: free market <laughs> always wins. Yep. One of my takes in my last article was that crypto is an unstoppable force, but the nation state is not an immovable object.
1: And that is what we are saying ah, here. That's a good take. Yeah, they could ah, definitely be influenced. They'll yes. just stamp approval and l- yeah. legitimize it before yeah, yeah, long. Uh-huh. Um, David, base ship this Dropping week. in the base. Okay. What is happening? What do we need to know? The base Layer two is now
0: live and open to everyone with a two-way bridge. So if you ever make some meme coin gains, you can finally get out. Uh, (laughs) Over a hundred applications and service providers are already ready to go inside of the base ecosystem. Uh, And there is an NFT to mint. So if you want to get on base and mint an NFT, mint base day one to join the story of bringing the world on chain, that NFT is available to you already over 12 1000 transactions and 3.6 million dollars has happened not on base but on Uniswap V3 on base. Wow, Just a single Uniswap V3 is there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh so 155 million dollars part of the TVL of uh the the 10.5 billion dollar TVL on layer 2s. Base owns 155 million of that all in the last 24 hours. Up to 159. 159. Uh 6 transactions per second. know not at capacity still pretty good uh and so base we are going to watch the base story with great interest i think that this we will look back on and see the reason for why we had a bull market in 2024 and 2025 what's that reason layer twos base coinbase specifically putting all of its marketing and weight behind a base layer two because they are like i said printing money on it but they are going to take Ethereum layer two, specifically base because they now have the incentive. They are going to take it mainstream. There was um, a conference, not a conference, a festival, uh, friends with benefits festival over in California and Mm -hmm. Coinbase and base had a very significant presence there. And it actually didn't really go around crypto Twitter circles because it's all like culture and music and not nerds and normal people. Coinbase is taking like base marketing to mainstream culture, and so they're just broadcasting and advertising the Ethereum roll-up centric roadmap on our behalf. Which golf clap, golf clap. This,
1: you know, this is very cool. This is going to be very good, I think, for our uh, our metric that we were talking about earlier, yeah. la- layer two total locked value. So you you said there's already look a hundred it's gone up as we've have we started this episode, uh, almost 160 million total value locked by Base right now. It's cool to see them on layer two B. And if you were asking the question, which you very well it's should. Five. Okay, so how decentralized, it's already number five? Uh-huh. Damn, okay. Yeah. And if you're asking the question, how decentralized is this thing? Well, layer two beat has the answer for you, right? Yeah. Um, it's getting there. It's, there's five slices of the decentralization pie that you need to turn green mm-hmm. from red to green for Base. Base has two of those on layer two beat. Uh, it needs three more. Mm-hmm. So, um, some upgrades to state validation, upgradability itself, and proposer failure. We need to um, get those to a state where they're more decentralized. Uh, but, you know, the first step is launching a roll-up. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what Base is doing here. So, the security pie that you're looking at on Layer 2B,
0: that the Base security pie and the Optimism mainnet security pie are actually the same. Uh, because Base actually is governed by the Optimism collective. Because it is an OP stack chain that is a part. And so this is like the first chain. Uh, in addition to the mainnet, the base chain is the first chain to be formally a part of the super chain, which is this thing that meme that people are talking about, which we're going to actually cover in a future Bankless episode with Jesse and Ben from Optimism. But they are the first major chain to join the collective. And so the base chain is governed by o- the OP to- token. And so when Optimism mainnet upgrades to fill in whenever they get in their um, validity proofs, then all of a sudden base will also
1: gain validity proofs because that's how the collective works. Santiago Santos has a take on this. Let's take a moment to appreciate the novelty of a centralized public company launching decentralized public infrastructure. Coinbase is a mission driven company and will likely go down as the most impactful company who pushed crypto to mainstream. 100%. is to Web3 as the iPhone was to the smartphone industry. Big statement.
0: Wow. wow. Jesse and Brian on the Coinbase podcast, they have their own show now called On-Chain Summer Stories because one of the, they are just pushing the phrase on-chain, 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 online, on-chain, online, on-chain, get it in your <laughs> So let's hear about Jesse and Brian, talk about their uh, collaboration with the OP Collective.
1: You know the, the collaboration we've had with Optimism, by the way, is really incredible and we're huge shout out to them. Um, the collaboration's been good and it allows it's allowing us to move very quickly with this uh, particular L2 solution and we hope it gets broad adoption across every kind of product out there in the space
0: yep yep and a huge plus one to that on
1: optimism you know when we were just trying to kind of get started building an L2 we obviously uh, thought about kind of how do we want to approach this and i think the the thing that was a north star for us was decentralization it's like how do we get this decentralized network incubated inside of a public company, and then like fully decentralized over the next few years. And as we were trying to figure out how to do that, I think what we identified was having a partner, having like a a collaborator in doing, who could kind of help lead the way on decentralization, help kind of push those boundaries for us um, and help us figure out our path was going to be really valuable, and I think that's where optimism has really kind of uh, been a great collaborator.
0: And really, I think the main thing that uh, I want to get across in this section is that Fortune 500 companies, Coinbase is showing them the way to becoming on chain, to being on chain. This is going to be the f- mm. first of many. Just like how I said, was saying, hey, PayPal could have its own payments network. They are showing the way for. Fortune 500 companies to spin up decentralized layer twos because we have the technology in the year 2023 to get that done.
1: Yeah, uh, that that is very cool. And and by the way, we're going to have another opportunity to sit down with, with Jesse at uh, Permissionless, mm-hmm. which is coming right up. David, you're doing a panel, I believe, with uh, Ben Jones and Jesse. Uh, of Base and Coinbase at uh, Permissionless. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to talk about there? Yeah, so
0: probably we're going to just unpack the relationship between Coinbase, the centralized company, and the OP collective, a decentralized DAO that governs over the OP stack. Uh, there is just a ton of nuance to unpack there, and I think as Permissionless is coming up, we're a month away? Yeah, one month away. Uh, and yeah. so there's going to be a lot of conversations about like, okay, but what is the super chain? How do these things form together? How does... A decentralized organization, like converse with a centralized organization. Lots of questions all about that. And that's happening. uh, A panel that I'm moderating between Jesse Pollock and Ben Jones from Optimism. But that is not the only conversation I'm moderating at Permissionless. Uh, New this week that we just got finalized. Vitalik is coming to speak at Permissionless remotely. Uh, Me and Vitalik are going to talk about Ethereum for the future, and just as a little teaser for all the people that, you know, for some reason are not going to market just don't know why you wouldn't. Um, <laughs> Ethereum, there's plenty of use cases that we talk about. Let's put, put Wall Street on chain. Let's take, you know, NFTs and make them for brands. But what about all the future use cases that we can't imagine because we don't know the future? What about the future things that Ethereum, the future technologies that Ethereum will be a platform for? So that's a conversation that Vitalik and I are going to kick off Permissionless with right after Eric Voorhees and right before we have Dankrad and a few other Ethereum people talk about the Ethereum roadmap. Just the future use cases that we can't imagine because it's not here yet. Uh, So we're going to do our best to navigate Ethereum for the future.
1: And that is going to be talk number two at Permissionless grab a ticket, guys. Uh, The September 11th. It's coming right up, so uh, get your ticket. And there's a link in the show notes, as always. Uh, David, we were talking earlier about base and its kind of security pie on L2 Beat. Actually, Arbitrum took a Big step forward in getting one of the slices of its pie from yellow to green and becoming a bit more decentralized this is not in production yet but the plan is in place the dow just has to vote The code needs to get pushed to production and then we're good to go they are calling it arbitrum bold bold stands for bounded liquidity delay can you give us the T L D R of the Arbitrum release this week?
0: Yeah, Bold basically allows the protocol to enable permissionless validation for all Arbitrum chains. It removes the permission validation set, improves decentralization, like you said. Uh, validation via fraud proofs is currently permissioned in Arbitrum because the protocol is vulnerable to denial of service attacks. But Bold is a protocol that anyone who is running Arbitrum uh, software, the Arbitrum infrastructure, can uh, is it helps that help solve that problem. So a single honest validator is now has the means to win disputes against any number of evil validators. We call this an N over one security model, as in you just need one honest person to be participating in the network in order for the network to be honest. It is the gold standard of network security. If you only need one honest person to maintain the network then you can basically have as many as the strongest assurance as possible that that network is going to going to work. Uh, so that is bold in a nutshell. And as soon as bold gets uh, voted by the Arbitrum DAO into mainnet gets merged then all of a sudden one little yellow slice on layer 2b is going to turn green and Arbitrum will have the most green slices out of all layer 2s i think it already does but it's going to have even more terence.eth from Arbitrum he tweets out a great way to explain this before bold in order to submit a fraud proof it would be terminant style and you would, in order to win, you have to defeat all your malicious opponents one by one by one. And now with Bold, there's one gigantic fight where you have the superpower to knock out <laughs> all malicious opponents at once. The Royal Rumble, yeah. and you have
1: God Mode. Huh? Yeah, exactly
0: right. You are given God Mode inside of the Battle Royale. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: That's very cool. Uh, this is uh, an entire episode that we did earlier this week on Bold and Arbitrum. So if you want to catch that, there's a link in the show notes and also on your RSS feed. And David. also at Permissionless, because all oh, the yeah. layer twos are going to be Permissionless. <laughs> Stephen Goldstein <laughs> from
0: Arbitrum will be there as
1: well. David, what do we got coming up next?
0: Coming up next, what's going on with Hobie? Should you be concerned? Curve Hacker returns some of the funds with a cheeky message, and Michael sold some more CRV to pay back his on-chain loan. Is Michael, the founder of Curve, going to make it? And then a judge rejects Ripple's ruling precedent in in the Terraform Labs case. We're going to unpack all of that and more. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially MetaMask Portfolio. I know you use MetaMask Bankless listeners, so therefore you have MetaMask Portfolio. Perhaps you just haven't opened it up yet. There's a link to open up your MetaMask Portfolio in the show notes. Let's go hear from them right now. Are you a MetaMask user? Well, you're listening to Bankless, so of course you are. The wallet you know and love just got a whole lot better. MetaMask Portfolio is the ultimate one-stop shop for all of your crypto needs. It gives you a holistic view of your crypto portfolio across multiple chains and multiple addresses all at once. You can easily view and manage all your coins, tokens, and NFTs in one convenient place just by connecting your wallet. MetaMask Portfolio goes beyond just viewing your portfolio, though. Inside the portfolio, you can do all the incredible money verbs that make DeFi so powerful. You can buy, swap, bridge, and stake your crypto assets with ease. It's like having a powerful battle station for all your DeFi moves right at your fingertips. So if you're looking to do more in Web3 your way, MetaMask Portfolio is the answer. I already know that you have MetaMask Wallet, so go check out your MetaMask Portfolio. Learn more at metamask.io slash portfolio. Enter Mantle, an entire ecosystem dedicated to the adoption of decentralized, token-governed technologies. Mantle, formerly known as BitDAO, is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 built differently from the other Layer 2s that you may be familiar with. Mantle asks the question, how would you build a Layer 2 if you had the technology of 2023? Mantle Network is a modular Layer 2 built using the OP stack, but uses Eigenlayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum Layer 1. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80% compared to other Layer 2s, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries in DeFi, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded to help the growth of Mantle, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming, or EduDAO for in the world of DeSci, and Bybit for TPL and liquidity and on So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and
1: follow them on Twitter at 0xMantle. Polygon and- ZK Sync had a bit of a scuffle this week over crypto Twitter primarily but it spilled out into other channels. Uh David give us the scoop what happened?
0: Yeah, so Polygon ZK Sync two creators of the ZK EVM probably the the two most frontier uh, creators of ZK EVMs had a scuffle over attribution about whose code was who so polygon wrote this uh, blog post called protecting the open source ethos which is tldr copy pasting copy and pasting source code without attribution and making misleading claims about the original work is against the open source ethos and hurts the ecosystem in the world of open source there are like these rules of engagement for citing open source work And Polygon is saying that ZK Sync did not follow those rules of engagement and did not provide proper attributions when ZK Sync borrowed some of Polygon's code that they created. Uh, and so that is the claim from polygon about zk sync and then zk sync of course has a response from alex glukowski on twitter saying we actually did all of these attributions uh polygon just didn't feel like they were satisfactory uh and then started making citations about when but they were using their own code versus plonky 2's code which is um uh, polygons it was it was a fight of who owes who credit Uh, and it elevated and got into the world of uh, front-facing crypto twitter most of this stuff most of these fights happen you know just between these two organizations behind closed doors but it surfaced and got into quote-unquote the real world that's the that's the TLDR a
1: little bit of drama huh um you know the kids are gonna fight I think that's that's what this looks like this this Um, is a
0: little spicier in the layer two war space than I would have enjoyed all the other layer two wars has been pretty fun this one was a little bit it's too spicy yeah a little bit of a downer a little bit of
1: a downer. i don't think mainstream is paying attention to this at all this is yeah. very much an internal it is a question of, of like
0: legitimacy right that is the big question here
1: well i'm happy to leave that one in the rear view mirror so moving on uh speaking for every mirror actually last week curve was a big subject on the roll-up and particularly is curve going to make it was crv and some of michael's the um the founder of curve were some of his positions on uh on lending and borrowing protocols going to be liquidated? And would that cause a cascade that would be bad for those protocols and bad for DeFi in general? David, this week it's looking like Michael. Is it going to make it? It's going to make it, yeah. Maybe? Yeah. What happened this
0: week? Barring any sort of further Black Swan events, which I would consider is why Michael was underdressed in the first place as a Black Swan event of the days, day one bug in Viper. Uh, so uh, first, an exploiter returned some of the stolen funds from Alchemix. So 4820 Alchemix ether was returned as well as 2258 actual ether which is about 15% of the total losses in the curve exploit and then Michael as well also um, sold 75 75- 72 million crv to 15 entities to generate 42 million dollars to pay back some of his loans uh and so some good news my michael's positions are becoming more secure the curve exploiter is returning some of the stolen funds i think one of the funny things is that in the uh transaction in the call in the data for the transaction the exploiter wrote this message saying i saw some ridiculous views so i want to clarify that i'm refunding you not because i think you can find me it's because I don't want to ruin your project. Maybe it's a lot of money for a lot of people, but not for me. I'm smarter than all of you. Is what the exploiter said. <laughs> what a d- yeah. What a dick. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so Curve Finance has extended a bug bounty to offer anyone who is uh, able to identify the exploiter 1.85 million dollars. Uh, mm. And so, if you know who the exploiter is, you can get paid 1.85 million dollars. Uh, but the curve exporter is saying you
1: can't find me neener neener boo-boo <laughs> <head> in, boo. <laughs> it seems like the the curve uh, trauma is is sort of over though is, is curve price recovering uh, michael's not going to get liquidated michael's probably not gonna like get he's gonna make it he's
0: probably fine whether the i mean the curve price is definitely hurt um mm. but it's not it's definitely it's definitely still alive it's doing just fine
1: there's a, a comment, a summary from uh, Michael Bentley uh, from Euler, who says this. If there's one thing that's clear from recent events, Dow governance of lending protocols is not a great idea. Most people are simply not qualified in possession of sufficient information to determine appropriate risk parameters and complex protocols whose risks evolve in time. I should say Michael from Euler, of course, has a uh, lending and borrowing protocol that does not require uh, governance of this right. type. But I think he's making a co- commentary on... Some of the governance decisions in protocols like Ave right. that allowed so much curve to actually be deposited into their protocol. Uh, there was votes about this. We talked about this last week, and the votes passed, even though um, the CRV deposited was kind of very clearly owned. The vast bulk of it owned by one individual. There's some, you know, risk issues that that fell out of that. Do you do you think that's a fair take from this uh, this entire episode?
0: I'm, I'm yeah. I'm glad you asked because I, I actually think that governance free protocols are a very core component of the bankless thesis of the protocol sync thesis if we can do all of our decentralized financial activities without governance then we ought to governance i've always thought is like a stopgap means to an end and it's exactly what happened with ave where gauntlet submitted a governance proposal saying hey there's risk here you guys should take care of this and ave was like no vote no 100 percent to zero and then exactly what Uh, gauntlet feared would happen would happen and like i talk we talk shit about the federal reserve and their human control over the economy all the time and then we juxtapose that with ethereum and its algorithmic balancing dynamic monetary policy and we applaud ether and i think we should do the same for all of our governance applications should be looking to minimize governance as much as possible that's my articulation of the bankless thesis i don't know if you agree
1: yeah no I I totally agree that like governance is sort of a hack but sometimes it's necessary yeah. like sometimes you really need it and sometimes you need it for kind of scalability I mean how could you do real world assets without that True. sort of governance True. and so I also think that governance will level up over time so now in Ave another Lending and borrowing protocols, um, they'll see where this went awry. Maybe they won't make the same mistake in the future. So long as they have skin in the game, that 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 I think is the, the main point. And um, right. so it's, it's kind of different than than the Fed, who actually, right. I mean, what, are they, what do they care about the decisions they make? Right. Um, well, that is Aave a good point. point. Ave yeah. holders
0: are being stuck with the bag,
1: and the Fed can do whatever it wants. <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah. Um, this is interesting, David. Phantom is exploring adding optimistic <laughs> roll-ups to connect <laughs> to ethereum all right you're laughing why are you laughing oh it's because the l2 thesis man dude there are just
0: like i was sitting and reflecting upon this agenda and just over the last few weeks there are some bankless theses that we have put forth that are coming true in the best of fashions like it was one thing when the Cello organization voted to move to a layer two, but now Phantom also looking at this and like, oh, we could become a layer two. And now there's a meme that they, when you see memes about this stuff, you start you know that it is becoming deeply solidified in people's mind share. <laughs> what we are looking at is somebody has made a bingo card of all of the of the layer ones that could potentially become layer twos like some things you probably haven't thought about in a long time stellar iota Iota, eos (laughs) v chain flow flux canto Eth classic would be hilarious.
1: Tezos, Tezos. will never do wave. it. Never do it.
0: You think so? Yeah, probably not. Near yeah. near might Tron probably not. Anyways, yeah. we have Cello and Phantom. So we have one, two, three, four, five, 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 25. I actually think Tron might, David. <laughs> you think so? I could totally see Justin's yeah. son doing that. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, actually, that's a good point. Okay, so we've got twenty-five squares with twenty-five layer ones two of them are turned green because of cello and phantom i guess well phantom actually has to do it so maybe we're at one and a half but this has so, been a bankless thesis for so long and and i'm just uh i just sit back and be like sometimes theses just play out exactly how you expect them is that to. is david, there's
1: david hoffman victory lap there. i am victory lapping so hard <laughs> well i think i do think this is a narrative to watch right is um which side chain evm side chain is going to become a roll up next and that's what this is kind of articulating uh, this is a tweet from Sam CZ Sun, who's kind of the savior of crypto, so, a, a white hat, a white hat, that, of white uh, hat, yeah, yeah white hat of white hat that you know finds our issues before they happen. Uh, in most cases, over the past few days, I've been working with a group of white hats, auditors, and other security leaders to try and solve the hardest part of responsible disclosure: finding the right person to talk to. And he's got a uh, an image signal, of yeah. uh, the bat signal here. Um, what's the take for this? Why are we including this in the agenda?
0: So this is a, a telegram bot is basically what's going on. So there's a telegram bot that anyone can use during emergencies to get in touch with trusted members of the security white hat community, so trusted white hat hackers and their extensive network of contacts. It's basically 911 for DeFi protocols. Um, <laughs> it's it's. It, I actually think I'm so proud of Sam. Obviously, he doesn't need to be anyone any more proud. Just like 911 is. Yes, yeah. except... It shows it is an example of self-regulation and self-management of this own industry. Not only is it a public good, but it is also a sign of maturity for what needs to happen if we are also going to have permissionless finance. Yeah.
1: I don't think we can make that point enough. Honestly, it's like as some the regulators look in and say crypto is completely unregulated, and the crypto markets aren't doing anything about it. And then I look at things like this. It's like no, we we are doing exactly what right. you should be. You supporting would never us be to able do. to do. You, you know what, And I also look at, uh, you know what's another example of this? Mm. Is L2 freaking beat, mm. okay? This is very, be, better than anything the SCC right. or CFTC has ever put forward for disclosures in crypto. It's creating a staging process for how decentralized our layer twos are. Right. And creating a sp- scoring, that is the industry regulating itself, and I think that should be commended. Uh, so, very cool to see uh, Sam CZ doing that. David, this is also cool. Nearly $3 million in sales in the last 24 hours for DraftKings NFTs. I I guess the theme this week is companies buying block space and using crypto, right? Mm -hmm. So this is DraftKings. You know, DraftKings is a... um, it's a They're fantasy in sports, the sports betting. sports
0: industry. Sports.
1: They're in the sport. Yeah, sports fantasy betting. Do you know this is a... Look, let me show you a stock. Have you ever oh, looked at it a Oh, it's a public company? Before? Wow. It's a public company. DraftKings. It's worth about $2 billion, huh. uh, something like this. $12 uh, it, $13 billion. Dollars, $13 billion. Oh, $13 billion. $2 million in revenue. Uh, so $2 billion in revenue last year. $13 billion. Sorry, I'm a little, a little rusty on, uh, on looking your at trad, stocks On financials? Yeah. And uh, they were um according to sandeep here they were the number one collection by sales volume on Polygon. So wow. they beat board apes they beat a lot of other things so they beat um, board
0: apes on the ethereum layer one three million dollars in sales one. on polygon which is the number one of sales across the nft industry in the last week wow that's crazy
1: yeah right yeah. and i don't even know about this because i don't i like, don't i place pay no sport. attention I yeah i don't watch sports it's very cool to see that that's bleeding outside of crypto culture, though. Um, yeah. But going back to crypto culture, what's this from uh, Frank DeGods?
0: Yeah, so Polygon gets a dub, but then also Polygon takes an L. Utes gets <laughs> yeeted from Polygon to <laughs> Ethereum. So Utes yeah. is to D gods, like mutant apes are to board apes, basically a derivative project. Same team. Uh, Utes is like the expansion collection. Um, D gods, Utes, uh, they were a big NFT hit on Solana. Before migrating to Polygon, we actually had... Um Frank from D Gods on the show to talk about this uh, after moving from Polygon, uh, from moving from Solana to Polygon. As the bear market wore on, uh, economies shriveled up, including the Solana ecosystem. Uh, so, Polygon uh, gave a $3 million grant to Utes to migrate to Polygon specifically. So, fast forward to today, DGods has done well on Ether, layer one, and it actually has given the D Gods, Utes, 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 Y00TS team Utes. Utes. It's given them confidence that they actually can be a blue chip NFT on the Ethereum layer one. They actually don't need Polygon. So they are migrating from Polygon to the Ethereum layer one. They're also returning the $3 million grant to Polygon as well. Uh, And so that's the news. So from Solana to Polygon to Ethereum. That sounds like just a pure business decision to me. What do you think? Yeah, that's right. Well, it also shows the uh, gravity well that is the Ethereum layer one. So like,
1: if the, it, the, the
0: goal of all high-value assets is to be on the Ethereum layer one.
1: David, uh, did you see this? This clip. This is a Joe Biden clip. You ready for this? He's <sighs> drinking coffee. Look at his mug. Yeah. Look at his mug. I like my coffee dark. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> for
0: the, What's on his mug, David? For the podcast listeners, he is drinking a mug of Joe Biden's bust <laughs> 2024 with some glowing Deep red,
1: laser eyes. Laser eyes. Laser eyes. Bitcoin, Bitcoin max laser, laser, laser eyes. Wow. Where did that commentary? Come from? Yeah, I, I don't think it's related to I Bitcoin, don't think it's related. Unfortunately, David, even though there was some, some hope or speculation, I think this is a different meme from a different corner of the internet that uh, crossed into uh, into crypto for a brief moment here. Yeah. It's like a Dark Brandon meme, I think, that I... his campaign is using. Let's not. It's nothing to do with Bitcoin. Let's not <laughs> All right, well, let's try to unpack this a little bit, even though we don't know too many details. Is Huobi insolvent? That is a centralized exchange. I believe they're based in China uh, and a fairly large one, at Mm -hmm. least like, you know, at some point in time was top five. I'm not sure where they stood right now, but um, there's some questions around its solvency. What do we know so far? Yeah, so some financial media
0: organizations in Hong Kong have reported that several executives at Huobi have been taken away by police in China a spokesperson for huobi denied this um huobi stablecoin exchange balances dipped by 33% so they lost a third of stablecoins um so fi- almost 50 million dollars has been withdrawn from huobi i'm pretty sure i remember this story happening like 2 years ago exactly as written as with huobi said. with huobi yeah rumors oh. of huobi insolvency executives taken away by chinese government and then
1: nothing happened So, what do you think? Is is this another repeat? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. All right, well, uh, don't keep your funds on centralized exchanges, kids. As another reminder, David, you'll never guess this headline. With AI booming, Gary Gensler wants to keep finance safe for humans. The head of the SEC is focused on the risk to markets and investors when AI is making trades and recommendations. David, this is Gary Gensler. He is pivoting from crypto to AI. Great. What? Great. <laughs> yeah. Focusing uh, on AI. Take? Keep on focusing on AI. What, what, I, I what think do you this think just here? like,
0: this is the emperor is wearing no clothes and it proves it. It's just like Gary Gensler is just trend following as the influencer that he is. And now he's focused on AI because AI is totally going to disrupt securities markets. Like crypto, he actually has some like some foundation to stand on because like, these, are, these are financial assets. What is going on in the
1: AI market that needs Gary Gensler's so attention? So you think he's just uh, fear chasing, just narrative chasing? Yeah, he's, in, he's being an influencer. Yeah. So Gary is going to say, like, I can't...
0: Next year he's going to, or next week, he's going to rotate to semiconductors. It's going to be great.
1: <laughs> I can't think of anybody who actually wants him to do this. Like, what is he... How is he going to keep, keep finance know, safe for man. humans this, in the world of AI? This is a rogue human. Like, what practically does that even mean? Speaking of weird headlines, an FTX lobbyist tried to buy a Pacific island called Nauru in order to create a new super species. What? A super this was species, yeah. The younger brother of Sam Bankman-Fried. His name is Gabe Bankman-Fried, and he tried to buy an island to create a new super species of human beings, genetically modified human beings. <laughs> is this even real? Like, what is yeah, going so, on so, okay, here? Okay,
0: so this is called the transhumanist movement. Uh, it's not actually all that cringe, except when you pair it with SBF and all the effective altruism groups and also all the wealth that they have, then it starts to get really weird. So yeah, <laughs> he wanted to buy an island to create a fortified apocalypse bunker state in the event where 50 to 99.9% of people die for some sort of reason to protect his philanthropic allies and create a genetically enhanced human species. This is the headline that we are reading to you. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. I'm speechless. Right, you don't have to, you. You don't have to say anything. We can just let the the headline stand on its
1: own and move on, please. David, this was a really cool demo this week. Um, I feel like this is a major unlock for wallets. Goldfinch Wallet. This is uh, their Unipig moment. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say Unipig moment? I do. I bet you about eighty mm, percent
0: of Bankless listeners does not. Okay. What What was Unipig? Unipig was the demo between Optimism and Uniswap. Mm-hmm. And it was a the first iteration of an optimistic rollup deployed to Ethereum that was just meant to have, be a Uniswap application. So back before we knew about Layer 2s in the way that we know them now, it was the first implementation of Layer 2s. And it was like everyone was having this like breakthrough aha moment when after being used to Uniswap on the Ethereum Layer 1, they used Unipig, which was a Uniswap fork, on an optimistic rollup, very early version of optimism as a layer two, and everyone realized that oh, it's rollups. Rollups are where it, it's at. It,
1: it was a break. It was a breakthrough demo, and we we're yeah. still years from getting uh, rollups to mainnet. But everyone, yeah, this like, was we, everyone who saw this. Yeah, we were like, oh, okay, this is how Ethereum is yeah. going to scale. Yeah. So I saw something similar when I saw this demo. Um, this is a wallet demo. You can access a DeFi for the world, and basically in about like fifteen seconds you can open up a wallet with no seed phrase, um, biometric signing as well. So it works on your phone, kind of you know face scan. Um, it's self custody, okay? Uh, so private key accessible. I'm there are some compromises on it, but like it just felt so easy to use and set up. Oh, I should mention full account abstraction. So gasless transactions and deployed on base, deployed on a layer oh, wow. two as well, <laughs> right? So this is the diagram of, of how it works. Um, there's a, a you know a web standard that's commonly used. It's called passcode that can you know use the secure enclave of your phone. Every phone has a secure enclave that is authenticated via you know pin number or biometric a- uh, access, uh, you know ID, face ID, and then the private keys are actually stored inside of a third party called Turnkey. That's probably the point of weakness for me, but Turnkey has a really interesting uh, component. Anyway. This, this uh, other third party called Zero Dev bundles this up and makes um, account abstraction work. And the whole experience is you get a wallet in about like five seconds and it feels very fintech. The most so, bankless
0: po- wallet possible inside of inside of five seconds.
1: I would say so, right? Yeah. Um, there's a few weak points maybe, but I would say so. And what's exciting to me and why th- this is comparable to um, the Unipig moment for me is like, okay, now I see the future. The big next step for crypto is we have to make wallet UX easy. If we're going to get to a billion users and they're not going to use some centralized exchange or service, we have to make this whole process of setting up a wallet and holding your own private keys very easy and this was a big step towards accomplishing that so Really cool, exciting
0: demo. Another paired announcement, Turnkey, which is what we were talking about, that powers this whole thing, is out of private beta and is now available for people to play with. No widgets, no pre-built generic UXs, no limits on what you can create. There's a link in the show notes to get uh, to get started with Turnkey if you so choose. Uh, perhaps this is the Cambrian explosion of wallets going into Web 2. Uh, moving on to Zora. Zora has introduced protocol rewards, on-chain rewards for creators and devs possible by Zora's Mint fee, which now automatically splits across creators and developers. All right, getting into raises of the week. And we've made a decision in the templates for the Bankless Weekly Rollup. And so we're gonna articulate what we are going to do with the raises section. We've had trouble in times deciding which raises to talk about and which raises to not talk about because we didn't really have a standard for making this concrete. So here's what we're gonna do going forward. Any big raises that like reverberate throughout the crypto ecosystem that is like news? we will talk about. And then we are also going to include anything that Bankless Ventures is investing in. As a inception of the moment of a conflict of interest, whenever Bankless Ventures, our VC company, our VC firm, invests in something, we will also include it in the raises. So big raises that become large enough to be news. And then also the moment of inception of a conflict of interest about when Bankless Ventures invested in something.
1: Yeah. So this week, there were really no big raises that were on our Radar. So normally we would skip this section, uh, but there was a Bankless Ventures investment this week, Puffer Finance. They just raised a $5.5 million seed. Bankless Ventures was part of that. David, why do we invest in Puffer? Yeah, so Puffer is a LSD protocol uh, in joining the ranks of
0: like Lido, Rocket Pool, Stator, Diva, Swell. Uh, And so it is going to have an LSD. It is different from all of these. It's got this one unique differentiator that I think really sealed the deal for me personally, which is inclusion of trusted execution environments inside of the LSD ecosystem. And so trusted execution environments, it's this primitive that are a part of just chips and hardware that Puffer is incorporating into their LSD. And so things like Scroll and Eigenlayer that need trusted execution services can have those services specifically enabled by Puffer and allows for the Puffer LSD to get extra yield by providing TEE to the Ethereum ecosystem. Uh, Ram from Eigenlayer is an angel investor, uh, as well as a, a member of Obel, which is also a, perhaps a user of TEE. And so that competitive advantage of TEE as a service
1: uh, is what attracted me to and, and Bankless Ventures to this deal. Yeah, congrats to Puffer on that raise. Uh, we got a lot more coming up next, including some questions from the nation. ETH versus Layer 2, token value capture talking about that again in some hot takes from crypto Twitter, including why the Bitcoin ETF is a bigger deal than you might think. As always, make sure you like and subscribe if you appreciate the content. We'll be right back.
0: Introducing Polygon 2.0, the value layer for the internet. For too long, the limitations of blockchains have held back app development and stifled user adoption. The internet allows anyone to create and exchange information. What's missing is a value layer that lets anyone exchange, store, and program value. That's where Polygon 2.0 comes in. Polygon Labs has unveiled a series of innovations that will radically alter the Polygon ecosystem and Web3 as a whole. By leveraging groundbreaking ZK innovations such as Polygon ZK EVM, the next iteration of the best-in-class Plonky 2 proving system and a first-of-its-kind ZK-powered interoperability layer, Polygon 2.0 will give users and devs unlimited scalability and unified liquidity. Right now, there is a Polygon improvement proposal regarding a potential ZK-powered upgrade of Polygon Proof-of-Stake. If approved, Polygon Proof-of-Stake would become a Layer 2 zkevm Validium. So make your voice heard on this proposal by joining the Polygon Discord today. You have a chance to help the Polygon community give the internet the value layer it deserves. Are you planning to launch a token? Is your token already live? And are you granting your employees and contractors vesting token awards? And are you trying to figure out how to take care of taxable events for your team? TOKU makes implementing a global token incentive award simple. With TOKU, you will get unmatched legal and tax support to grant and administer your global team's tokens. TOKU will help you navigate across the lifecycle of your token from easy to use pre-launch token grant award templates to managing post cliff taxable events with payroll. For legal, finance, and HR teams, it's a huge complex task to have to comply with labor laws, payroll and tax obligations, tax reporting and crypto regulations in every country that you employ someone. It's difficult, time consuming, manual and costly, and it's drawing more attention from global regulators and governments. Toku makes it simple for leading companies in the space, Protocol Labs, Hedera, Gitcoin and many more. So if you want some help navigating the complex world of token compliance, go to toku.com slash bankless or click the link in the description below.
1: Questions from the nation this week. This one from Cyogi.eth. Is there a reason to think that implementation of massively lower-cost L2s won't tank the demand for the use of Ether, which is one of its pricing factors? And what do you think about that? We get all this cheap block space on Layer 2, does that tank the price of Ether? Yeah, so this
0: is the conversation of our Layer 2s, our Ethereum Layer 2s parasitic to Ether. And the answer is yes and no, but I would definitely say mostly no. Uh, And I think we saw this in the episode when we talk about Utes migrating from Solana to Polygon to the Ethereum Layer 1. While Polygon does pull TVL from the Ethereum layer one to Polygon or any layer two does this. Also, Ethereum itself is its own gravitational pull for liquidity. So there, it's, it's a yes and conversation. Uh, Ethereum layer one is going to have the most central liquidity in all of its own landscape. Uh, and so the massively lower cost of layer twos are going to actually induce new transaction types, new t- types of economies that require low transaction fees, whereas the Ethereum layer one is going to be the epicenter of liquidity and high value transactions. Uh, and so I always have said that layer twos will actually induce net new economic activity rather than being more parasitic to the Ethereum layer one. But then also ETH will become money inside of all of these networks. And so the way the way that layer two economics works is that ether, it sacrifices the value of the transaction economy, the value of transactions, you know, gas fees, to the layer two tokens inside of each respective layer two, but it wins a pluralist network economy that all these networks use ether as its reserve currency. So in order to give room for these layer twos to exist, it gives up the transaction economy, the gas fee economy to the layer two tokens, but it wins another network that uses ether as money. And to follow through on this, on this thread, I put out a tweet this week, last bull market ether was money only for Ethereum. This bull market, Ether, will be the money for the majority of chains, for Polygon, for Arbitrum, for Optimism, for Base. And then I finished with saying, this cycle, ETH becomes money for the internet, is my bull take of the week.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I would add this take from Sudo. L2 business models are actually really simple. Layer 2 fees minus Layer 1 settlement cost plus verification equals profit. Layer 2s are really value-added resellers of mm-hmm. Layer 1 block space. I don't think they're any more competitive than states- are competitive with the federal government uh, in this world. Of course, there's always that one state who could get really, 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 really big and uh, then threaten to secede from the federal government. Um, But I don't think we're there yet. And uh, as always, the US dollar and the kind of the United States becomes the currency of all of its respective Mm -hmm. um states uh Mm -hmm. in the union so that's that's how i expect that'll play out hey we got some takes of the week this is the first one from david bailey it's not just the insane flows the etf is truly the definitive integration into our financial system you can own etf shares tax-free in your ira your bank will recognize etf shares when you apply for a mortgage you can borrow against etf shares you can margin etf shares you can lend out your shares and gain yield if $100 billion flows into the ETF next cycle, and the price of Bitcoin is 10x, $1 trillion of ETF wealth will cause trillions of new credit within the financial system. Tens of millions of Americans will see their assets balloon in value. Uh, this is really the bull case, I think, for the ETF, which is the Bitcoin ETF, which I still am holding. I think it happens this year or shortly mm-hmm. after, but I'll say this year as a shortcut, we will get a Bitcoin spot ETF. That represents after, how long has Bitcoin been in existence? 12 years, 13 years? years? Mm -hmm. Okay, that represents. 13, 14, 14, 13. Okay, so close to that. That represents financial integration into the traditional system, which is absolutely crazy Mm -hmm. that we've come here, like gotten this far in just over a decade. The ETF Mm -hmm. will be an absolutely massive win, and I think we're on the cusp of it. I think to put
0: this into language that I think Bankless listeners will be familiar with, the ETF is a money Lego that is very important for getting Bitcoin into TradFi so that it can go (laughs) in margin accounts and it can go in yield accounts and it can just be expressed in TradFi. And so it creates, induces a ton of reservation demand for Bitcoin.
1: It is the building block that we need for Bitcoin to be incorporated in TradFi. Yeah. Um, This is a take from Dankrad PSA, if it doesn't use Ethereum for data availability, it's not an Ethereum rollup and therefore is not an Ethereum Oof, layer two. Wow. Ooh, that's a spicy Dank take, Dinkrad, the hardliner. All right. There was some uh, back and forth, a lot of commentary sort uh-huh. of debating that, right? And this goes to what's the definition of a layer two and what's mm-hmm. the definition of a rollup? And I think we're playing kind of like uh, games of uh, words and games of definition, which, by the way, is not a bad game to play. I think right. we need to be precise in our language and in our definition. So. I think Dankrad is making the case that it can only be called a layer two and or an Ethereum roll up if it does two things. One, consensus on Ethereum, which is, of course, base, but also data availability mm-hmm. layer on Ethereum. OK, so that would cut out a class of what some people would call roll ups called validiums, which they you know park their consensus data on Ethereum. But data availability, it could be somewhere else. You know, um, Arbitrum Nova is an example of this. Um, you know, Immutable has lots of versions of this. There's all sorts of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Polygon Proof of Stake system is is moving more towards a Validium type of architecture. So it's really a question of what gets it to call itself a Layer 2 or an Ethereum roadmap. And Dankrad here is saying, unless the data availability is on Ethereum, uh, it's not a roll-up, at least according to him. What's your take on this? I think, I think that's right, yeah. So
0: we have Ethereum roll-ups and then we have rollups and both can both can hook into the ethereum layer 1 but dinkrat is saying in order to be a rollup that is an ethereum rollup you must use ethereum data availability so he, he's like presenting the hardliner argument for how you legitimately call yourself an Ethereum rollup, but then it, it's leaving room for non-Ethereum rollups to still settle to the Ethereum layer one. You just use a different data availability solution, like EigenLayer data availability or Polygon data availability. Does it even matter? Data it, you think it does. This matters? Yeah, because EIP four eight four four is use is allowing Ethereum block space, which is the most pristine World War Three resistant block space in existence to be allowed for layer twos. And so if they want to use, it's supposed to say like, hey, you can use this and have the best insurances. It's still going to be the most expensive version of data availability, even if it's a hundred times cheaper than it already is today, because you can also just use like a self-run database and that'll be even cheaper for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and So there's always, there's going to be a different, different ways to use data. And Dankrod is saying, well, if you want to be the gold standard, which is Ethereum, you need to use EIP4844. You need to use Ethereum. And if you don't use the gold standard, then you don't get to use the Ethereum brand as your roll-up name.
1: Which is not out yet, by the way. EIP4844 is not is yes. not available yet, but will be soon. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I could see that. I think f- for myself, until this is sort of the dust settles with what the you know the community decides is you know kind of how we're going to name these things i'm going to start being a bit more deliberate and talking about an ethereum roll-up versus a validium right yes uh david you got to take here uh i'll read it out the chapter of 2021 to 2022 scammers is coming to a close but our 2024 to 2025 chapter of scammers is about to begin oh that doesn't sound good david those who would harm this industry walk among us today let's not repeat 2022. Let's stay vigilant. The SEC and mainstream media aren't going to help us. It's up to us. Uncle Sam picture pointing at us. David, are you um, charging us with some responsibility during the next bull market? (laughs) Almost always am I
0: charging people with responsibility. <laughs> so, this is just a continuation of my take from last week about Doquan, Alex Washinsky, SBF, Three Hours Capital, Richard Hart, all going to jail or being fined in some respective way. So, we get to celebrate about that, but also, reminder bull markets attract grifters. And so, if we are going to enjoy a bull market, we need to also be aware that it is going to attract grifters and is going to bring us a new cohort of scammers. And so we should be cognizant about how that is also going to happen and take our lessons of 2021 and 2022 forward so that we can be better in the future. That's
1: a good take. Uh, what are you bullish on this week, man?
0: Bullish on the OP stack, man. I've been bullish on the OP stack for a while. The, I made the OP stack video about like what the OP stack is and why I think it's exciting in November of 2022. And this was after I wrote my EVM equivalence article. This is my second uh, victory lap of the week of, this, of, the, of the episode. <laughs> you only get two per, per week, okay? <laughs> I, I first, I just like am so proud of the Optimism team for having the conviction and the vision that they had from day or, day one. One of the original things that they wanted to do is connect transaction ordering to public goods, sequencer fees to funding public goods, uh, raw degeneracy and Moloch turning into Ethereum's Phoenix and funding sustainable open source projects that can scale out to the world. And this they've had this same convicted thesis from the get-go. And now Coinbase, a public company in crypto, launching a layer two, using the OP stack, which is meant to be forked and meant to be iterated on and meant to be spawning 10,000 chains. All of a sudden, they're creating the OP collective, which is going to have weight and bargaining power for public goods. And it's going to be financed by the OP people forking the OP stack and wanting to join that collective. It, w- it took such strong vision and execution back in 2018, 2019, when the Optimism team came together out of the Plasma Group. And they've just followed through on it. And I think fantastic sense. And, and it, I just, it's beautiful when you see a plan come together and also a plan that I think just goes so deep to the values of Ethereum and scaling Ethereum values. It's just nice to see. It's just nice to see what I consider to be the good guys take a huge dub. And so just big clap to the optimism team.
1: It all started with Unipig, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Very cool. I, I I think the thing I'm bullish on is um, is similar, but also broader. Which is Mm -hmm. this? I'm I'm bullish on all layer twos. In particular, this um, this really crafty approach. I feel like Ethereum, the Ethereum community, and the Ethereum Foundation had with respect to layer twos. This is an episode that's not out yet, but I got pre-listened access from our Pod Squad team. And thank you for recording it, David.
0: What episode are you talking
1: about? The sci-fi roadmap for Ethereum. (laughs) with uh, justin drake drake and tim bako um by the way i haven't finished it yet but uh, i can't wait to go back to it it's not an rss feed i'm gonna yeah, do right, this weird right. you know google yeah. drive anyway um so i'm i'm listening to it and then justin drake is is describing basically layer twos and what's incredible to me is when he talks about how layer twos are basically funded massively funded by investor dollars by vc dollars and this is the private market taking the execution layer for Ethereum and launching like 50 different incredible experience, uh, experiments on it and then accelerating those experiments so fast because they have all of these disparate teams and all of this, this, this capital going and attacking the problem at once. And it just struck me as he was talking about how genius a strategy this was for this particular layer of the stack. You focus on consensus for Ethereum, and then you launch like, you know, a hundred private company type of uh, experiments on top. And some of these might be able to turn into, into public goods as well. And then what Ethereum plans to do is take the best designs and the best experiments and enshrine them in, a, in an enshrined roll-up inside of Ethereum. And so make the best projects, like private uh, company projects, kind of public infrastructure again. Anyway, it's it didn't have to be the case. This was not the original strategy for Ethereum. Ethereum originally was going to develop everything. And this uh, strategy, this play worked out very well. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very bullish on everything that's going on in, in kind of the layer two ecosystem as a result.
0: Yeah, that episode uh, comes out next week.
1: There we go. David, we've got
0: a meme of the week. What are we looking at right here? Meme of the week. This is coming on uh, from uh, David Phelps. Uh, he goes, every crypto company's pitch deck right now. And he's got a uh, two by two uh, grid here. And one has been, one one spectrum is, has not been hacked and has been hacked. And also, is in jail or is not in jail. And <laughs> all of our companies' competitors have either been hacked or are in jail. But this company, the one you're getting pitched, Bankless listeners, <laughs> our company is both not in jail and has not been hacked. <laughs> that's all you need where do i send my money (laughs) you're still standing oh
1: god our standards are on the floor (laughs) yeah that is the game though you just gotta survive for sure gonna end with our standard risks and disclaimers in a minute but first we disclose on the show today we mentioned a few projects that david and i are advisors for including some of the layer twos like optimism and polygon and zk sync I am also an investor in Zora, a small angel check, and both David and I, as always, we hold a whole bunch of ETH. We are long-term investors, not journalists. We don't do paid content. And there's a link to bankless disclosures in the show notes. And of course, gotta let you know, none of this has been financial advice. Crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.